0: Somebody's going to go bridge here. It's time. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gone Bridge Podcast, episode nine. I'm here with Alex Clausen and Steve Brady. How are we doing today, guys?
1: Beantown is buzzing today, boys. <laughs> I'm ready to go.
2: I'm excited for the episode. A lot of good stuff to talk about today.
0: Yeah, we got a good program planned for you guys. Um, as always. Not a ton of Red Sox talk because Himes just, he's sitting around right now, which is okay. Once he makes some moves, we'll get the ball rolling. But
2: the MLB sure has been buzzing this week. Yeah. A lot of moves. Uh, Shout out to the San Diego Padres for really just going all in this season, I guess. Yeah. When
0: I mean MLB, I actually mean the Padres because the Padres went crazy this week. We'll talk a little bit more about them later, but Right now we got a little bit of some Red Sox rumors to go over. We'll start with Kike Hernandez of the LA Dodgers, kind of a utility infielder player. He's a, he's a good piece. What do you guys, what do you guys think about him? What do we, what do we think?
2: Yeah. I mean, he's uh for what he is, he's like you said, a utility guy. So I don't think that he's going to bring too much to the table in terms of changing the, amount of wins we're going to get, but I think he'll definitely help us uh, in the process, you know? I think he is the perfect
1: piece. Like when I think of the ideal Red Sox off season, I'm picturing pitching first, uh, like 50 feet of whatever else. And then Kike Hernandez is at the top of that second tier because we need second baseman really bad. Michael Chavis is not cutting it. He's not like very consistent. He can hit curveballs. He can't hit about anything else. You know, he came in. He looked pretty good. He's kind of worked his way in, and he hasn't really been great. And they need to bridge that gap between what's now and Jeter downs in, like, a couple years. So I think Kike is going to come in, can hit for a little power. Um, His 162-game average last year, or I guess what would have been last year, 240, not great, 17 homers, 53 RBIs, and a 738 OPS. That's fine. He's pretty cheap. And I think he's probably the best
0: option they can get because Chavis isn't cutting it anymore. Listen, when they brought in Peraza last year, they really expected better. He was a huge letdown and they ended up even releasing him before the end of the season. And I think Kike kind of fits that same bill. I think he's a a little bit of a different player than Peraza. Peraza is more of a, I don't want to say a top of the lineup guy, because he's not got that talent, but he fits that kind of player profile more where he was a little bit more speedy hit more for average. Kike's got some pop to his bat. 17 home runs in 2019, 21 home runs in 2018. I mean, he's been a starter for the Dodgers the last four years. Um, so if you can bring this guy in for, I don't know, probably three to five million, that's probably the range if I had to guess, I'm all for it. And I'm going to make this bold take here. As Clausen said, Alex or geez, Michael Chavis is not cutting it. Um, I don't think Chavis is going to end the season with the Sox. I think they either release him or trade him. That's what I'm going to say right now. I just don't think he's got the tools to be a long-term player. And I've said this before, but he almost reminds me of Travis Shaw, where he's going to get to the, a point where they just can't find a spot for him.
2: Yeah, so do you guys want Kike
0: to be our everyday second baseman? Um, I, I'd be okay if
1: they split time between Kike and Chavis. Like They almost remind me of the same player. Kike is better in my opinion, but I think it, you can probably split them at second base.
2: It, I would give the advantage to Kike, players. but huh? yeah, they're definitely similar players in terms of they hit for power, yeah. not too much for average. And I like that comparison between Chavis and Shaw, where we have guys that are pretty much set in their positions where Devers isn't really going to move from third. And now that we have a Dahlback. uh, Dahlbach, uh who is going to take, I think, a bigger role in the everyday lineup. Chavis just doesn't really, really have anywhere to go now. And I don't think that he was ever really that good at second base anyway. We were just kind of putting him there to put him there. We were like, we have nobody to play second base right now, and you have no position to play. So here you go. So yeah. I, I do like PK signing.
0: Yeah, so 2018, you know, Pedroia goes down. They have Brock Holt. They had Eduardo Nunez and then they sign or they trade for Ian Kinsler. And then Chavis comes in 2019, obviously still no Pedroia uh, Brock Holt. He played a lot of, a uh, lot of games for the team in, in 2019, but Chavis filled that gap of uh, when they face a left-handed pitcher, Chavis is a big right-handed bat who could go deep sometimes. So that's, that was his spot then. 2020, um, you know, Moreland's still on the team. You got Dahlbeck coming up at first, and then you have Peraza. So Chavis was still kind of getting playing time. But if they sign a guy like Kike Hernandez, I feel like that kind of just kicks Chavis out of the picture because, yes, they're similar players. If Kike was a left-handed bat, I would say all for it. But um, he just hits right-handed like Chavis, so you can't really even play the splits
2: with the two of them. Yeah, they're the same players, so it doesn't really make any sense. For them to be able to type, thing,
0: that and I yeah. yeah, and I would rather have um, Kike than Chavis if I'm being honest. Although he yeah, can yeah.
2: play all over the place, I mean, so can Chavis. They put Chavis at first for a little bit. I mean, we've put Chavis all over the place. Does that mean probably. he can play everywhere at an efficient level? I probably wouldn't say that's the case. But no, it's
1: not, it's like can we put Hanley in left field? We can't. <laughs>
0: We sure, he left we, field? we sure no. can. <laughs> Is he good at it? Absolutely no. <laughs> not. Now, here's an I- interesting question for you guys. So, obviously, we have Hunter Renfro now. And, Alex, I know you had said that you had heard some rumors about them talking about bringing Jackie Bradley back still. If we sign Kike Hernandez, he played 17 games in the outfield for the Dodgers last year. Maybe if a guy goes down in the outfield, he could play some. Left field, right field, you know, he's that all inclusive Brock
2: hole piece, maybe. That's just putting a band-aid on it, I think. I don't really see Kike being a good solution for the outfield. And in terms of utility, I would probably say that a guy like Zuei Lin has more of a chance to be an effective he's outfielder defensively. What? He's gone. He's gone? What do you mean he's son, gone? Son with the Twins. What? Yeah, no more
0: Zuwe Lin. That was a shock to me, too. I found that out, like, days after it happened.
2: I thought that was a guy that he was just always going to be, like, at least arbitration eligible. Like, we were never going to see Zue Lin leave. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a game sorry, changer. Sorry yeah. to break that to <laughs> that you That is now. such a game changer. Wow. It's a sad day. The tsunami is gone. Yeah. You oh hate man. to see it. Didn't he hit, he what, one career home run? I have no idea. I think it wasn't was. great. He's an electric player. I really love him.
0: Um,
2: Way to blow up my entire life.
0: Yeah, sorry <laughs> to really throw you off. I know you're going to ride that Zooey t- train for the next 10 minutes. Um,
2: it really was. <laughs> um, so, yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know. We just – I don't know. The second base – the whole right side of the infield, I'm so interested to see what Cora is going to do because, again, Dahlbeck is – He's better than Chavis. We can all agree on that. However, definitely, I don't. I see similar qualities between the two of them. Like Dahlbeck got off to a really hot start this year. He was like third on the team in home runs, despite him playing like a third of the season. But um, I don't. I don't know. He just. He reminds me of Chavis and Shaw too. Like a, a big power bat. You know, I think he'll be a good first baseman, but. I don't know. The just question marks is what I see.
1: I think Dahlbeck's going to be probably pushed out. I, I could see him getting pushed out in the next couple of years where he's a corner infielder. You, know, you have Devers there. Who's not going to leave unless for some reason they decide to get rid of him. And then Casas is coming up in the next couple of years. So I guess you could slide Casas into DH. I don't know how he is in the field, but you know, you could flip flop Casas and Dahlbeck at DH, but I could almost see a situation where you have too many cooks in the kitchen at corner infield. You have you know Blaze Jordan coming up the next yeah, five years. He's you can't push that, that guy away. Fun.
2: You is can't he... push that guy away. Yeah, a tank.
1: So I feel like at some point there's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen. They're not going to get it. Not going to want to get rid of Casas because he's too good. Devers is too established. Blaze Jordan is too much of an upside. So that leaves Dalbeck is the odd man out.
0: So is Blaze is what first baseman. He's a Corn, corner infielder. Corner
2: infielder. So let's – third in high school. Yeah. Let's say 20 – I think he's more projected as a first baseman though.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's say like 2023, 20, 2024, 20, we have yeah. Devers. Heim, please lock him up. Devers, Bogarts, you got Blaze Jordan at first, and then Casas at DH. That's pretty good. Like that's a – That's a lot that of What? Gene downs. Jeter Downs at second. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing is Jeter Downs, I don't think he'll be ready for opening day, but like he could be coming into the picture this year. Yeah, I think he's more of a late call-up. Probably. But again, like you don't know what you're gonna get from him. Um I know he's ranked like 40 what, like mid-40s top prospect. Like he he's got some promise behind him. I mean, I I hope he does. We gave Mookie Betts for him. But uh I, I don't I don't know. Second base we're not going to find another Pedroya, And this is the case with a lot of teams at second bases. It's like a revolving door because there's only a handful of guys who are good with the bat and good with the glove at second. And uh, we've been so accustomed to Dustin Pedroya
2: that it could be a couple years until we find that, that lock there. Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll throw some money at DJ. I mean, the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees sure aren't going to do that. So yeah, he's, if I had to guess where DJ's going, it's to Toronto. It's the Mets, baby. The Mets? Ah. He's staying in New York. I don't – I, I could see him going to, like, maybe the Indians. I don't know. Although they don't, they don't spend money. They're not going to spend money. Yeah. All I, I know, know is he's not going to be a Yankee next year.
0: You know who also isn't going to sign him?
2: The Phillies.
0: <laughs> the Phillies have no money. The <laughs> <Rip> Phillies. <laughs> I think um, they
1: finally put an offer on the table for Ramuto, which was good.
2: Was it like four dollars? I,
0: I heard it was three. <laughs> yeah, would well, they pull the the Red Sox card with John Lester and just completely lowballed him till he laughed laughed out of town? <laughs> Probably. Red Sox have such a history of
2: doing that, and then offering more money to the guys they shouldn't. Which... Yeah, it's we undervalue in-house talent and way overvalue out-of-house talent.
0: Mm-hmm. In fact, we were right before the show started, we were talking about in-house talent. And Steve, what did you say? What was the stat you had
2: saw? Uh, oh, yeah. So <laughs> this is a pretty funny stat. I want everybody to think about who the Red Sox have drafted and developed uh, for starting pitchers in the past, like, I don't know, decade. So you got John Lester. He's probably the last, like, really good guy. And then starting in 2012, the most winning drafted pitcher by the Red Sox. Give him a second. Think none other, none other could it be? than Brian Johnson. BJ. So if that doesn't tell you how terrible we are at developing pitchers, I don't know what does. Hey, we just
0: give them away, too. It's really, really bad. I, I mean will say DJ deserved better than what we gave him. He does. Uh, we talked about that last episode where I mean, if they couldn't find a spot for him last year, I mean that was just complete BS. I mean Well, yeah. I don't want to talk more about uh Matt Hall and like kick him, but um <laughs> they're gonna come to my house and just like kick down my door. Yeah, Steve had an excellent promo video about Matt Hall last week. Go look that up on Twitter. It was pure comedy. Um I was, I was slightly afraid that. Matt Hall was gonna
1: find it, and he was gonna hear me talking about his kids, and we were just gonna get into this like major like Twitter DM war. I really just wasn't ready for it. Like I, <laughs> I was don't... ready to delete Twitter at that point.
2: Does he actually if have kids? time to argue with us on Twitter? Then like more power to him.
0: <laughs> Listen, we're doing something right if we can rope Matt Hall in. Um, yeah, so just looking at some of the guys over the last ten years, the big piece, and who who are we talking about? Uh, I don't remember. It was one of our earlier episodes. Yeah, we were talking about him, but we were saying how like every oh it was Anderson Espinoza. Every player is like compared to Pedro, like next Pedro, and they're complete and utter
2: like horribleness when they get to the team. They're always like, "This is the next Pedro," and then when he doesn't pan out, they they say, "No, that wasn't the next Pedro. This next guy, though. This next, next guy, side. this is the next Pedro." And then he doesn't pan out, and then they say, <laughs> "Okay, no, not that guy, not that guy, but this next guy, he's the next Pedro." It's it's horrible. So yeah,
0: Henry Owens in 2014 was our number two prospect, and he was getting the comparisons to John Lester. He was a big left hander. He comes up and just lays a complete egg. So let's see. In 2015, he pitched 11 games for the team, 11 starts, a 4.57 ERA, which is not good. But again, that's only his rookie year. And then the next year in 2016, five starts, six nine five ERA never pitches again in the bigs. So, I think it's partly a case of just having really bad I don't know if it's just bad pitching coaches in the minors or if it's we pull guys up too early and they're not ready cuz we gave up on him really early like if I remember.
2: I, I, I yeah, I don't know what our development issue is, but there's an issue that needs to be addressed. If I, I was the GM, I, I would think the Red Sox just God. God, God.
0: No, I was just going to say, if I was the GM, the first move I'm making is I'm calling up the Cleveland Indians. And I'm saying like, I'm buying out every member of your pitching staff. Like, I will pay double their salary and they're coming to Boston. <laughs> and then we're, we're pumping out Mike Clevengers and Corey Klubers and Trevor Bowers and everybody under the sun like Shane that Bieber. and Shane Bieber. How could I forget about the Young winner this year and everything's okay in Boston. Anyway, sorry. See, I just, Go ahead. I just don't think the Red Sox care about prospect pitching. Like
1: when you think about every good Red Sox player on this roster, all of the pitchers that are good get signed. And even just in the past, like John Lester's the exception. He came up through the system and he was great, but you know, Kurt Schilling, obviously not a Red Sox guy for his whole time. Josh Beckett, the same thing. He was in Miami, made his name and they traded in for him. I just don't think it's something the Red Sox will ever do where they go and they draft a guy and they give him all this, you know, room to grow and develop. And then, you know, all that kind of stuff, they'd rather just throw money at a guy than waste five years trying to get the next Pedro. Yeah,
2: that's exactly the thing. The Red Sox know that they're one of the richest organizations in the league. If they see a guy they want, they can buy him in free agency. And their other strategy is we got prospects, not anymore, but we have (laughs) prospects And they knew they could just trade for whoever they wanted pretty much. And now that we're in a place where we don't have a ton of money and we don't have any prospects, we now have no pitching. So this was bound to happen eventually. Yeah.
0: I mean, thankfully for the Red Sox, they can develop hitting and they can do it really well. Jackie Bradley Jr., Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, Christian Vasquez, Andrew Benintendi. I mean, the list really does go on. We have to be thankful for that. However, I don't know what happens once the ball gets put in their hands. The Red Sox coaches are like, "Nope, can't do that." Sorry. Um, another Even guy
2: groom right now.
0: Sorry to interrupt you. Oh yeah, no. groom right now is being ruined
2: by the uh, disaster.
0: Yeah, Trey Ball. Do you guys remember him? He was a top ten pick in like 2013 or 2014.
2: They're changing all of their primary pitches. They they're asking them, "Hey, how? What do you like to throw?" And Jay Groom's like, I like to throw a curveball. And then the pitching coaches are like, ha ha, not anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not on our watch. Legitimately right now, the guy who has the chance to break this stigma is Tanner Houck drafted in 2016 or 17. I can't remember first rounder, but listen, like he looked good last year. That's a better start than 90% of the guys even have. So um, maybe he can break the stigma a little bit. I don't know.
1: I think the the biggest has he ever been compared to Pedro or John Lester or anything? No, but he was already said to be the right-handed Chris Sale. So yeah. Oh, all right. (laughs) I was going to say, if you, if you just don't compare these guys, like if you just keep your name, their names out of your mouth, they're going to be so much better. But when you start throwing around the next Pedro and they come in and they, you know, are on the team
0: for two years and have a five ERA, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. I mean, Anderson Espinosa hasn't even pitched since the Red Sox traded him. Like, How can you say that about a guy and then just not throw a baseball for the next four plus years? That's
1: the other guy. The other guy was um, Michael Kopech who they traded for Chris sale. I think he's had like other issues, but he's, uh, I think he just came up for the white Sox two years ago and he didn't pitch in 2020, but I mean, it's the same thing. He hasn't pitched in a while. and He wasn't great as the rookie. I think
2: there was 105 and I don't know about you guys, but even when he was still on our team, I figured that eventually this dude's arm just going to fall off from throwing 105 miles per hour. was like a head case too.
0: Yeah. Is I he, think he's got I think some, so. I don't know if it's depression he's got or something. Some issues yeah. Issues going on. Yeah. Something was going on there that I think kept him off the field last year, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, he still was like, we traded him and he was like a decent prospect. And then next thing I know he was like number like top 20. And I was like, oh, Oh, that's okay. I guess I mean, got a world Seriously, series. If the Red Sox, they jump up. I'm not going to complain. I like can't complain about anything Chris sale trade related. Cause we won a world series. Um, yeah. But we got again, what we want. Exactly. Yoan Mankata was the second baseman of the future. He's a good player still, but um, he's not top prospect worthy. No. Um, the only other guy I wanted to talk about was Anthony Renato uh steve i don't know if you remember him at all
2: vaguely yeah.
0: 2014 he was the top i think what did it say he was number nine for the red Sox at the time so i'm a big cape league guy love the cape league in fact uh i used to go to the camps every summer and aaron judge was one of my coaches one year uh for the brewster whitecaps which is really cool um but anthony ronado was another guy who played for that brewster team and really cool, you know, drafted by the Red Sox, follow him up. He gets up on the team. He was really bad in 2014. Let's see. I have his – I do not have his stats up anymore, but uh, I think he pitched to the tune of like a five ERA. 4 8 one. 4 eight, one yeah. And what, like – like four and three. How many games? Like eight? Game started seven. Yeah, games played Okay. So then they traded him to the Rangers for Robbie Ross. He bounced around between the Rangers and the White Sox. And then he ended up um, going to Korea, which a lot of guys end up making a career in, which is awesome. But another guy, like hometown or kind of hometown, he had
2: a stellar ERA in 2016. It was uh, <laughs> What was that? 17.18. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if if highest wins, he is the
0: king <laughs> of the MLB. Um, yeah. So, what was his career ERA like? Seven, almost seven flat. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, the 17
1: ERA, seven is pretty
0: good. <laughs> that's true it is seven flat seven flat he hasn't pitched since 2016 he could have like a podcast called seven flat if you need (laughs) ideas Renato there you go
1: so one team I want to talk about with their farm system that I didn't realize and this may segment this may segue into our next segment did you guys know that the Padres once in their system not at the same time but they had Trey Turner Anthony Rizzo Max Fried who's now a beast for the Rays or uh, braves and yasmani grandal they once at all like one point had all four of those guys and they traded them all away remember when we had rizzo
0: that we did cool. have rizzo that but then we traded him for gonzo
2: yeah so, but Clausen you're right that is that's ridiculous.
0: yeah that's insane i think i knew everybody there except for um freed how did uh how did the braves get him
1: I don't know. I was I didn't go into each trade individually, but I was just thinking like take the Padres now and throw Trey Turner, Anthony Rizzo, Max Fried, and Yasmani Grandal on that team. They're through Filthy. the roof talented.
0: So I actually found out so what was it? What's the today? today's Wednesday night? So the trade happened for Snell on Sunday, I think. Saturday Sunday or Sunday. or
2: Monday. Yeah.
0: Know. So I ended up writing an article about the Snell trade um, and I was doing some research about that. And I was looking because the Rays have a huge history. Uh, Basically, what I summed up was that the Rays trading Blake Snell shouldn't surprise people because they have a history of, you know, building like unbelievable um, talent in the farm system, building it up building value, signing them to a team-friendly contract, and then trading them for more prospects and doing that. And that's how they stay good because they don't have money to spend on free agents. Um, But when I was reading that, I think when they traded Will Myers to San Diego, it was a three-team deal with the Nationals, and the Padres ended up sending Trey Turner and Joe Ross to the Nationals, which was a really good move because Joe Ross has been a pretty good pitcher too. Um,
2: Yeah, I've never heard of that
0: trade, actually. So yeah, I didn't I didn't know about that. I knew Will Myers was like the big piece from Tampa Bay to San Diego, and Tampa really most of the prospects they got back weren't that good. That was actually one of the trades that didn't really work out for them. Um, although they've had many others, like the James Shields, Chris Archer, uh, oh, where they just I feel bad for Pirates fans for that trade. Um, actually, you guys, interesting Red Sox segment here. Uh, you know when the Rays traded Evan Longoria to the Giants. In 2017 was it or 2018? I can't remember. What I year. It was 2018. You know who the big piece was from the Giants to the race who's actually on the Red Sox now? I have no idea. Christian attendee. Christian Arroyo. Arroyo. Christian Arroyo. He was man? like the top prospect at the time. Uh hasn't really panned out. I don't <laughs> he's another guy who he could fill some reps at second this year. I don't really know. Um, so yeah, just a lot of interesting things, but um, yeah, let's get let's get a little bit more into the Padres so, stuff Gardner. here. Yeah.
1: One thing real quick, so I pulled up the Max Fried deal. Mm-hmm. This is this hurts. Oh boy. So it was six-player trade. So the Braves got Max Fried, Jace Peterson, Malik Smith and some infielder Dustin Peterson. He's and, I think
0: he's on the Dodgers now.
1: So but the big P, I mean Max Fried. So let's just say Max Fried is the only guy in this trade. The guy that the Braves got back was Justin Upton. Oh. oh. Think of that now. Yeah. Max career. Freed for
0: Justin Upton. Wait, you mean the Padres got Justin Upton,
1: right? Yeah, the Padres got oh. Justin Upton. That's you wouldn't be cutting dead be making that trade now.
0: It, oh, that's a killer. Oh that wow. Hurts. I um the other day I was watching um a documentary actually about it was called Knuckleball. It was really good. And actually the uh, really interesting and coincidental part about it was the night I was watching it, Phil Necro died at like the same time. So rest in peace, Phil Necro, legendary knuckleball pitcher. Um, But the documentary was centered around um, R.A. Dickey, uh, Tim Wakefield, and then um, they had like mentors, well, like kind of like Phil Necro and the older knuckleball pitchers um, just kind of like showing them the ropes. And it was it was filmed right before the twenty twelve season. So R. A. Dickey was he was like a fringe player for the Mets at the time. Wakefield was just retiring, and then um, yeah, so R. A. Dickey ends up winning the Cy Young the next year. But I kind of forgot. I was like, so the Mets traded him the year after. Who did they trade him for? No it was Sinder. Noah Syndergaard. I totally no. forgot about that. Yeah, that um, hurts.
2: Yeah. No. I think he was good though.
0: He was good. He was good. Uh, actually a really good trade by the Mets. I mean, he was older at the time. He was like older mid to older 30s and Knuckleball you know, is
2: last they last a forever.
0: While. They last, I mean, yet, even right. Dickey but... pitched for another 6 seasons after that.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um and yeah, Phil Necro pitched like 20 24 seasons, which what is What did so... Rick retire?
2: I feel like he 20 He was there forever. Yeah. No, nah, he retired oh, after oh, longevity 20. stats. So yeah, that's he was like right.
0: Twenty-year guy. Like Wakefield was a great pitcher for the Red Sox, but he holds most of those like negative team records just because he was around for so long, um, yeah. which just accumulated. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but anyway, Padres wise, they're looking quite scary and i'm happy that we're in the american league and they're in the national league and i hate i would hate to be the diamondbacks the rockies and the giants right now
2: yeah padres are good padres Padres are are really good they had what the third best farm system before trading for snell Mm -hmm. and then they didn't even trade what they what was the highest prospect they traded number three number four yeah number three So I'm pretty sure they're still probably in the top 10 for farm systems, even after trading for Darvish too. Pretty much nothing for you, Darvish.
0: Yeah. So they gave up a ton of pieces. I think it was um, six top 15 prospects and then Zach Davies, which he probably would have fallen out of the rotation anyway, because of Darvish and then a backup catcher for the two of them. Um, However, they still got to keep their top prospect Mackenzie Gore who's the number three prospect in all of baseball. And right now, like he was projected to come into the rotation this next year. I don't even know if he's going to have a spot now, which is crazy. And then uh, in the Snell deal, they traded one of their catching prospects. However, he wasn't even their top catching prospect. They were still able to keep that. And the guy, the guys they gave up were, they were expendable pieces. I mean, they were, Expected to develop into good talents, but as we've said about the Red Sox, like
2: you can't count on any of these guys. The Snell trade is a great trade for the Padres, not only because Snell is one of the top pitchers in the league, 2018 Cy Young Award winner, but he's got three years of control left and he's making pretty much no money. I don't know what the exact number is, but I know it's like pretty much nothing. It was around 13 million, like really for like a premier pitcher in the league. He's half of what he care. should be
0: paid. Yeah. You know? The entire Padres rotation before Darvish, and this is including Clevenger. Um, so it's Chris Paddock, Dylanson Lamette, um, Blake Snell, and then who am I forgetting? Uh, I McKenzie- guess Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Uh, the, the five of them combined were making $28 million. That is insane. That's
2: nothing. 8, makes that much.
0: Exactly. It's $8 million less than Garrett Cole alone, which I don't know if you guys knew this, but he gave up a lot of home runs last year. He did. He, I think almost the most, almost. And when you pay a guy that much money, you kind of like hope that he doesn't do that.
2: The opposite is what you would hope. Yeah. By. And the funny thing is that they
0: have him for like nine more or eight more years. So a long time Yankees here's, fans. Here's the thing. To- this is what we don't take into account. Chicks dig the long
1: ball, uh, and I know De- I know Garrett Cole is a married man, but he's living in the Bronx, New York now. This is the big time. I thought he's in the Bronx. He, he hasn't fished in these
0: waters <laughs> yet. Actually, now he's <laughs> he's fishing with dynamite. Now. I have a funny story. I you actually know totally, Garrett
2: Cole lives in the Bronx.
0: <laughs> no, I actually know where Garrett Cole lives. This is not to sound creepy. Um, I the place I work at, this guy came up to me and I was wearing where you were red sunset. I work at an ice cream shop. So Raphael Devers, you ever need some ice cream? I'm your guy. Um, So I'm working at the ice cream shop. I'm wearing this Red Sox hat and this guy comes up to me and he was like, Hey, like you big baseball fan. I was like, yeah. And he goes, Oh, I just ran into Garrett Cole. Like just throws it out in conversation. I was like, Oh, no way. Where'd you see him? And he was like, so for those who are not from Connecticut uh, the towns on the coast closer to New York city are like just very, very rich. So he was like, I was in Greenwich walking, which is a super nice town. And, um, some guy had just bumped into like this guy's mailbox. And this guy was out, um, like fixing the mailbox And he was like complaining. He's like, I think he said, he was like, Oh, I'm on the Yankees. Like, I shouldn't have to do this. And the guy was like, sorry for like asking, but who are you? And he's like, Oh, I'm Garrett Cole. And the guy looks him up and he's making $36 million a year. What was Garrett Cole complaining about? What, getting someone his mail? Yeah, no, like someone I think bumped into his mailbox or something. Like something just like really ridiculous. But the guy was telling me the story how like his son was like, you didn't know that was Garrett Cole? And he's like, no, he looked like a regular old Joe. So I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Can't you just imagine Garrett Cole is like on his hands and knees. He's got like his slicked back, black <laughs> hair. He's, he's like just standing there pissed. Picking the up box. dirt. It's like, like $36 million. For the Yankees. Back into the
0: like, I don't yeah, why did you pay this.
2: somebody? I, I bet not being recognized really rubbed Garrett Cole the wrong way. Oh. I'm 100 percent certain that's something that he would be like. Well, what do you mean? I'm playing for the New York Yankees. My name's Garrett Cole. I make the most money in the history of baseball for a starting pitcher. You don't know who I am. If I saw
0: Garrett Cole, like I obviously would recognize him. I think I'd say the same thing. I would humble. So, him. Who are you? I would humble him. I'd be like. Oh no! Actually, I think my line would be—you like – would have to call him like a bad picture. Be like, "Are oh, you there?" I would. I'd be like, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm Garrett Cole," and I'd be like, "Oh, you're the guy who gave up like all those home runs
2: last year." Are you Henry Owens, A nice <laughs> Henry. house. For Henry yeah, Owens.
0: I've never seen Henry Owens and Garrett Cole in the same house or like same room. I'm
2: just saying, it could be the same people. Do you guys think Yu Darvish is good? Because I personally no. think that he got like he had that good year and that shortened season last year. I don't think he's that good. I, I think, think he's
0: good, but overrated.
2: I think it's
1: an upgrade over Davies, but they don't need him, especially with Clevenger coming in 2022. Clevenger is a much better pitcher. So I think Darvis is going to get just pushed down to the bottom of the rotation. He's His contract runs through 2023, and he's old as he is. And when you look at his numbers, I mean, they're fine. But 2020 was really the outlier. So I think he's going to be a good fourth, fifth option on this team, but he's going to be a great fourth option. Yeah. When you get four games into a series, he's going to be great to come out of the game, but I mean, is it really
0: needed? No. Yeah. So I have two things to say about this actually. So I saw somewhere that the Padres were like looking at him to be the opening day starter already, which I think Blake Snell deserves that over him personally. Um, way better. Yeah, exactly. So better. But by the time 2022 comes around, he's the number three. And if Lamette or Mackenzie Gore is lighting up again, he could fall to four or five. But the, my thought with this trade for the Padres um, is that it guarantees them more uh, like flexibility. Zach Davies was a free agent after this year and he probably wasn't going to end up coming back because if you sign him to a big deal, then you have, well, you already have Machado and Tatis or Machado and Hosmer on the books for a lot of money. Um, but then you don't know where that money like should have gone. It should probably be going to Tatis. It should probably be locking up um, Clevenger and Snell after their deals are done. So my thought with this is that the Padres have three guaranteed years with Darvish, which they didn't have with Davies. I think you can make a case that like they're similar pitchers. I know Darvish had this really good year, but Again, it was basically a third of a season. So I think that if I'm the Padre's GM, I'm sleeping much more comfortably knowing that like my rotation is locked in place mostly for the next three years.
1: See, I think it it also gives them some good flexibility because I guess I you know the last couple of days I was looking at, you know some different roster from different uh, pitching rotations, just the really good ones, trying to compare Padre's and the rest of the league. And I came across the Dodgers and they kind of have a unique situation where they have six pitchers that can go right away. You know, they have Kershaw Bueller price, who's question mark, Urias, uh, Dustin may, and then Tony Gonsolin, who are all starting caliber pitchers. And then you also go to the Padres this year, they don't have six pitchers, but next year you have the possibility to go Snell, Lamette, Darvish, Paddock, Gore, and then Clevenger. So you can spread that rotation out way, way, way more You don't have to put more pressure on these guys at the top. And if you want to make a World Series run, that extra couple starts that they're going to miss, they're going to feel that much better going in if they're making a deep playoff
2: run. Yeah, that's true. I think that the Dodgers have a lot better of a rotation than the Padres, even though the Padres are super talented. They're definitely second, probably, maybe third. But the Dodgers are just so good. I think the Dodgers top two is better, but I think overall
0: the Padres is better.
2: I don't know. Dustin May, I'm pretty sure, is going to be really good at baseball. He can definitely throw it pretty well. Yeah. Definitely I mean, really not good good fixing his mail bar. <laughs> Dustin May <laughs> might be better than Walker Bueller, honestly. Oh, I you wouldn't
0: know. say that Yeah,
2: I think but he like, has the okay, potential. None?
1: I don't know. I feel like the better Bueller gets, the tighter his pants are going to be. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was great.
0: This power. What, what was that this year that happened?
1: Yeah. Was... I'm a big, I'm a big fan of it. Like the tight pants. Yeah, because I hate the baggy pants. Like you're an athlete, you're a pro athlete. You shouldn't be walking around in like a two XL t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't be wearing sweatpants. Well,
0: Pablo like, Sandoval wouldn't like, fit that. <laughs> Pablo right, Sandoval wouldn't saying, fit like, anything smaller. So,
1: like when you look at like guys in like the '90s, like Mark McGuire, like huge guy, he wore the tightest pants. Also, and it just made him look monster, jack bryce
0: harper is the same thing you look so much bigger if you have such tight pants have you guys seen the video of 2019 when so the reds were celebrating i think it was maybe like their hundred and something year like so they ended up bringing back like jerseys throughout the year from like different reds eras and there was one point i think it was from the 60s that they had like sleeveless uniforms and there's this video of um Oh, oh, yeah. Derek Dietrich in the dugout with, like – Ripping
2: curls? Yeah. Doing
0: the curls. It they are handing around awesome. the easy bar. It was awesome. I love like, that video.
2: It was him,
0: Pweek.
1: Pweek.
2: yeah. That Somebody dude out. that can pitch. And Lorenzen. Also play outfield. Mike
1: Lorenzen, yeah. 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 Electric that guy, yeah. video. That was the funniest. They were just handing around the easy bar
0: across the dugout. Dude, i love that they're ready to go they're ready to go out to the field their biceps were popping it was awesome we need some of that energy from the stocks next year <laughs> that that's a pro athlete <laughs> that is a pro athlete um so speaking of the reds i didn't even think of this do we want to segue into our last segment which is uh sure you...
2: everybody strap in for this one
0: If you are driving in the car, please make sure you have a seatbelt on now because we are about to hit the fan right now with some uh, crazy conspiracy theories. Steve, the floor is
2: yours. So I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you like baseball. If you like baseball, you should know who Trevor Bauer is. Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young last year with the Reds. Very good at pitching. But has he always been... This elite pitcher, his entire career, short answer, he has not been this good. So he went, I don't know how many years he played before. It was, we'll call it at least four or five. Not great. Pretty average, honestly. League average pitcher. Then all of a sudden, this season, he is dominant. Could not be more dominant. Do you guys know why that could possibly be the case? Steroids. Tell me, Steve. Tight pants. Steroids, tight pants, both good guesses. The right answer is increased spin rate. So spin rate uh, is quantified by RPM, which is revolutions per minute. Makes sense. The more revolutions per minute you put on the ball, uh, it makes your it makes it just way harder to hit because your breaking balls break more and your fastballs look more like a breaking ball because they're spinning so much you can put the same velocity on the ball and you can still control it the same exact amount but it's way harder to hit for the batter and the question is how would a pitcher figure out how to increase the spin rate trevor bauer himself said you can't increase your spin rate through just training you can't do it Uh, is that surprising to you guys do you think that you should be able to increase your spin rate just by working out, maybe doing some curls with Derek Dietrich in the Reds dugout? Is that what he was doing? I mean, that would have been my guess.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, these guys are like the best baseball players in the world. Like you can
2: only get so much better than the next best person. So, so uh, Trevor Bauer would take that suggestion that I just said, doing curls with Derek Dietrich and he would throw it in the trash because he said himself, you cannot increase spin rate naturally naturally. He has some kind of foreign substance, some kind of something that he has developed himself with a no. substance for grip on the baseball to increase spin rate. And look what happened to it. Like, he, I don't know if you have the stats, clause in, but no. he literally in 2018, I think it was a couple years ago, whatever, said, I'm too good of a person, something like that. His morals I would never the tweet up. Do you want it?
0: Yeah, read the Hold, on. Hold on one second before we keep going, Steve. I think you, for some reason, cut out the recording there. So he he was working with a scientist, correct? That was he was I working thought.
2: with a literal chemical scientist yeah. to develop the best possible foreign substance for grip. The guys have used pine tar, obviously. The big one I think is a uh, bulldog and sunscreen. That uh, is a pretty common one. Everybody in the league is using this foreign substance besides the Red Sox because we stink. (laughs) But people don't know what he has because he made it himself. And all of a sudden, his spinnery went up. Klaassen, let's hear the tweet. So this is a two-part tweet from 2018. So he said,
1: my fastball is about 2,250 RPM on average. That's like pretty average for the MLB. I know for a fact I can add 400 RPM to it by using pine tar. Look how much better I would be if I didn't have morals. Right. So, and then he he said that pine tar is a bigger competitive advantage than steroids.
0: So doing some of the research uh, that we did for this, we came across that Bauer has known about this for a long time. And we think that Bauer knows that every pitcher basically does do this, but Bauer was one of the lone guys who was not doing this because he had morals and wanted to play the game the right way. And in fact, there was one inning in, was it 2018 where his spin rate, like for the one inning was like 400 RPMs higher. And then it went right back down to where uh, he was averaging the next inning and reporters called him out on this. And they were like, how'd you do that? Like, that's not right. Like you should be able to do that. No, not at all. And why did it go back down? Like, if you're able to do that, why aren't you consistently still doing it? And he was like, listen, he threw out the name of this article. He was like, go read this article and you'll find out more. Basically admitting like, hey, like
2: squint, squint, like this is what I did, but I'm not going to directly say it. Before the Astros' whole cheating scandal with the trash barrels and the Stein stealing, Trevor Bauer was on their case about increasing their pitcher's spin rate. And if you look at their pitchers, Garrett Cole – uh, was always subpar for the number one overall pick on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Went to the Astros. Spinner rate went up. Fun fact: so, Gary Cole and Trevor Bauer hate each other. They were high school or college teammates. What are you gonna say, Collison?
1: So I was gonna. I, I have more stats in case people haven't caught on. I'm the stats guy. Yeah. So your local stats guy I did a little digging and I did the Bauer Cole comparison between when theoretically they weren't on this foreign substance and when they were. So. 19, 34 games 11 and 13 record 448 era not great 2020 in 11 games he had a 173 era that shoots way through the floor like that was ob- he was obviously the best pitcher in the in probably in the majors this year and then for cole 2017 is last year on the padres on 33 the games 12 and 12 record cole's on, on the pirates pirates same yeah. thing um 12 and 12 record 426 era like Completely average pitcher. Goes to the Astros the next year, 2018, 32 games, 15 and 5 record, 288 ERA. One of the better pitchers in the majors. So clearly he was doing something in Houston. If he was using this substance, he started it in Houston and it makes a huge difference. It's also
2: worth noting that prior to Houston getting Garrett Cole, they did the same thing to Justin Verlander the year before, where Justin Verlander was a pitcher who was very good early on in his career, obviously. And then his velocity started to dip and his career wasn't going at the same speed that it was before his velocity started to dip. And then he went to the Astros and all of a sudden his career kind of got revitalized a little bit without increasing his velocity anymore. And that's a little suspicious again, right there.
0: Yeah. It seemed it honestly. Yeah. So when Verlander went to the Astros, it was almost like he got the, like like a rebirth. Like he was like a new guy.
2: At the end of his Michael Secret stuff somehow.
0: Yeah, he, exactly.
1: He had like the- that it was Kate up. You can only imagine <laughs> him doing to increase his spin. So even-
2: this is the part of the conspiracy where it's gonna get really loony. Trevor Bauer is well known for being a huge social media presence. He just won this um, contest, like a Twitter poll where He won best baseball Twitter personality. He he beat out unfortunately. So he's been catering to every single fan base in the entire league. People thought maybe because he's a free agent, just trying to get the fans on his side, maybe have them pull him to their respective teams. I think personally, and he, I. So it's also worth prefacing this that Trevor Bauer, as free agency started specifically said that he wanted a one-year contract, which is important to what I'm about to say. Trevor Bauer is well-known for tweeting out negative comments towards uh, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, because everybody hates him, and he's the worst commissioner in probably all sports of all time, and he didn't do anything about the Astros cheating. He doesn't really care about the league that much. So my theory is Trevor Bauer is going to make it painfully obvious if it wasn't already enough before that he's cheating he's going to get his massive one-year deal he's going to show everybody that this is what the entire league is up to he's going to expose Rob Manfred for being aware that this cheating is happening he's not Rob Manfred's gonna get hopefully taken out of his commissioner commissioner role for letting the league be as corrupt as it is hopefully and then Trevor Bauer is going to get banned for life he's not going to care because he's going to laugh all the way to the bank as he does all these interviews, probably writes a book, does all of these things about how I took down the MLB and exposed them for cheating, and that's gonna be it. So everybody, get ready for that next year.
0: Yeah. So that's uh, that's it's a very bold take. However, um it makes sense. So yeah, if if Bauer wants to over the next couple of years like really expose the MLB with this, you're right. He's gonna want a one year deal next year, maybe a one year deal the year after, getting like. 30 million dollars a year, if not more, like max out on his earnings, and then I think you would use the word martyr, right? Like, yeah, he's gonna be
2: a martyr for the entire like baseball world because everybody hates Rob Manfred so much. Right.
0: So in the M L B it's it's known that like pitchers are gonna use foreign substances. That's the thing. And doing research, it's almost as if if you're the opposing manager, like you know this is happening but you don't want to be the guy to call people out because, you know, your own guys are doing it. Like it, it would be hypocritical to do that. And um, the only times it really like players get called out is when it's so painfully obvious that it's like, dude, you were doing such a bad job of hiding this example, 2013, I think Michael Pineda, like the pine tar on his neck was literally like a different skin tone. Like it was so
2: appearances in a row. Right. And he had on his forearm. So obvious. Got yeah. Second it, one, like you said. On his right.
0: Neck. It was all over his neck. Like a lot of guys, mostly I think buckles would have it in his hair. Um, yeah. That's
2: why pitchers have the long hair. If you ever noticed them grab their hair. Yeah. Like, okay. So same Gar- thing with their
0: hats, Gary Cole, yeah. Hair mm-hmm. hats um, like in their gloves. Sometimes
2: a lot of times. Yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, doctoring the baseball has not been something that's new to the game. However, there's all this new substance and in fact reading about this there was an angels was it the clubhouse manager i think in 2019 who was fired because he was like the known guy to make this stuff
2: he had his own thing he had had like his yeah
0: he had like his own formula and pitchers would come to him and buy this off of him and the angels were like listen dude we can't have you associated with our organization if you're going to be doing this so it's very obvious that it's a known problem around the league. And if Bauer keeps up his personality, it's
2: not. it wouldn't be surprising if he was like, this, this is not how things should be. And the thing about Bauer is we're pretty sure that he has his own substance that is unique to him because he made it with that scientist. And it looked like it was probably 95% that he gave his Reds teammates last year the substance. So guys like Sonny Gray, for instance, not great in the Yankees, pretty average to above average in the athletics. And then all of a sudden last year, he was, I think, He's top 10. C- yeah, he up.
0: was a scion candidate for up until the end of the year.
2: So I think a lot of teams know Trevor Bauer is using this. Mm-hmm. Like Gardner said, they're not willing to call him out on it because they know their guy is going to – get called out the very next inning by whoever Trevor Bauer's manager is for using some other substance. And they know if they're going to get Bauer, they might, if they're lucky, also get whatever Bauer's using with them. And then you bolster your entire starting rotation that way.
0: Right. So it's not only that you are acquiring Bauer. The big thing that we're getting at here is that if you acquire Bauer, if he goes to a different team next year, we really want to see what their spin rate is like because the reds as a roster last year had the highest spin rate in the entire majors extremely
2: suspicious
0: so it's not that it was just bauer it was the entire reds roster and the reds you know they had a great offseason last year they brought in Mustakis and had traded for bauer and brought in some other pieces and really supplemented their roster well so it's it's not like they were coming in with the same really let down roster that they've had for almost the last uh like six or seven years now but for a team like the Cincinnati Reds to have the highest uh, spin rate is kind of surprising and again there are just examples of this all over just like weird occurrences like the Astros thing another guy Charlie Morton has a complete revitalization
2: when he goes there Trevor Bauer has mentioned the fact that some organizations and individual players like himself he didn't say that but it was he alluded to it are better at utilizing and hiding the foreign substance than other organizations. And that's why you might not necessarily see every single organization increase their spin rate every single year. And that's why it might be scattered around. I don't know why that would be the case. Maybe some organizations just believe they're not in the right spot, I guess, contention wise, where they're willing to cheat and risk some kind of league punishment when they already know their entire roster isn't good enough to make a run at it. Maybe that has something to do with it. Who knows?
0: Well, Steve, I think as you already mentioned, which I agree with you here is I think that Bauer just has like an even better formula than anyone else, because listen, you can get pine tar anywhere. Like it's, it's going to be in the clubhouse. Like you can just use it. However, Bauer's obviously he's got something else. Uh, I mean, you work with a scientist I don't know if you guys watch golf at all, but he really reminds me of, um, Bryson DeChambeau. Who he works with like scientists to like work out his swing. I'm probably like going way off here, but can't stand that guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like he's got a Nerd. kind of, a, yeah, he's got an interesting personality too. Like Bauer reminds me of him, and although DeChambeau isn't doing anything like to doctor golf balls or anything, it just kind of like it reminds me of that. And in 2018 too. Bauer had said that uh, another thing with the Astros – so the Astros, the big sign-stealing scandal was 2017, but that didn't come out until the end of 2019. But in 2018, he said that uh, when playing at – yeah, no, not Miller Park, uh, Minute Maid Park, that the Astros were doctoring their baseballs as well. And he also accused Garrett Cole of doing that. So just a lot of – just. Like the evidence behind this, it all—it's basically between Bauer and Cole and the Astros and the Reds, and it's just—it's kind of fishy. It's everywhere, so it,
2: and that's why we think something's gonna happen.
0: Something's
1: so this gonna happen. this whole thing reminds me a lot of the steroid era back in like the '80s and '90s because it kind of rings the same bells for me. You know, it elevates the play of really good players, but it doesn't really elevate the play of bad players. Like if you yeah. gave if you gave me steroids and tried to put me in an MLB box, I'm going to perform probably exactly the same as I would without steroids. Like if I just can't hit a baseball, then I can't hit a baseball with steroids. And it's the same thing with these pitchers. If they can't locate their pitches and they can't throw pitches effectively, increasing their spin by 400 RPM isn't going to do anything if they're throwing balls all the time.
0: So that's always been my case with Barry Bonds is, and a lot of these steroid guys, although, I think we had made this argument in our um, Hall of Fame episode where if you're going to get into the Hall of Fame, like you got to be the top of the top. But, you know, Barry Bonds without steroids was still a good hitter. Um, But you can't give a guy steroids and have him make that solid of contact 73 times in a season. Like you just can't – steroids aren't going to
2: magically do that for you. So have you guys ever seen – there's a super famous – clip from uh cardinals game i'm like 99 sure it was yachty but he got the pit they threw the pitch and he ripped his mask off he didn't know where it was he thought it was in the dirt and he looked down and it was stuck to stuck his chest his... protector. yeah yeah i wonder how that happened maybe yeah. there was something sticky on the ball
0: exactly or even a sh- yeah chest protector or ball too um it's just yeah. it's all very interesting and another thing too which we see more and more every year is just how many baseballs each pitcher goes through every game. It's like, once a ball is thrown um, and it, it doesn't, it's not between the pitcher's hand and the catcher's hand and the, the gloves, it has to be replaced. Yep. It's like any dot of dirt gets on the ball. It needs to be replaced. And it, it never, it, it's, it's gotten worse over the years. It, it, it's been that way for a while. But, I mean, you talk with, like, your parents growing up or your grandparents. They weren't going through 12
2: dozen baseballs in a game. No. Yeah, Um, so I guess long story short, Trevor Bauer is cheating. He has alluded to it multiple times by talking about spin rate increase, calling out other teams for spin rate increase, and the stats are just there. So Trevor Bauer – I think is going to do something between himself, all of the pitchers in the league, and Ron Manfred, where the entirety of the MLB is going to be exposed for this scandal of spin rate increase.
0: So the last thing I'll say about this is that Trevor Bauer, from 2019 to 2020, had the biggest spin rate increase in the history of the majors. I don't really know what else I need to tell you. Look at the numbers. Um, so basically all we're saying is just um, – we found this news. We wanted to share it with you guys. We kind of wanted to be some of the first to hop on this story and talk about it and just get some bold predictions out there about this because um, Trevor Bauer is not one to step away from a, a good argument. And um, he's had he has morals. I, I think he's a good guy because he wasn't always doing this, but I think he just hates Rob Manfred and the Astros this much that yeah. he's willing to – sacrifice part of his career he's doing this for the benefit of the league at the expense of himself and i truly believe that
1: Uh, and it's a pro trevor bauer podcast we just love we just love setting trends it's It's such an interesting story
0: it's a very it's a very interesting story and i think if nothing comes out of this which there's probably a good chance it won't it's just an interesting thing to talk about anyway because it's occurring with teams and it's interesting uh you can see it it's tangible it's hap- like yeah there's stats like like when the asterisk thing happened like you had to dig and find videos of the trash can and like shout out john boy for that um he he did an amazing job with that um but like uh, this you can find you can look up spin rate stats like it's not it's not a hard stat to find it's took me no time to find it's very easy and you you do a little digging you have a little bit of common sense you can draw a couple lines here that'll really make you scratch your head and go you know that's it's a little
2: odd yeah so let us know what you think
0: yeah so anyways uh we're we don't have much red Sox stuff to talk about so we figured we would do a, a nice segment on this so yeah, if you're still sticking around listening, let us know what you think about that because it's uh, quite the story. So let's close out the ninth now.
2: Yep. the uh, well, <laughs> <hard to> start?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was that that was that was a lot. Um, very just interesting stuff.
2: So yeah, I mean Red Sox still aren't doing much and chain we trust. Hopefully something happens. So
1: I'll close out the ninth in my normal fashion. So last week we talked about Benny and uh, the difference of his hair. You know, if he was better with short hair, long hair, and then we got into if Benny is better with a girlfriend or not. And uh, the stats, I'll give you the rundown here. So I did the, I did the, uh, the mock up here. So he had his long hair and in 2016, 2017, he cut it January, 2018. So for those full two seasons, you know, I adjusted some of the averages to 162 and I came up. So his combined averages for those two years, 283 average, uh, or I guess this is, yeah, combined average. So 283 average, 15 homers, 82 RBIs, 806 OPS. That's pretty good for two years. Pretty good. Yeah. So that was with his long hair phase, 28. I didn't put 2020 into account. I hate 2020 stats. So, for the next two years, 2018-2019, he had short hair. Combined averages for those, 278 average, 16 homers, 85 RBIs, almost identical 802 OPS. So the hair makes no difference. However – Unfortunately. Very unfortunate because we love the – I guess there's no, no problem with him bringing back the flow then.
2: No harm, no foul. Awesome.
1: No harm, no foul. He can do whatever he wants with his hair. So this is where it gets interesting. Benny needs a girl here. So Benny is not a huge social media guy. He's not very in the spotlight. So it's hard to tell, you know, he's not a Kardashian. So it's hard to tell when he started dating somebody, when he stopped dating somebody, like it's just not something he puts out there. So our good friends at section 10, we love you guys. Um, they did some digging on this couple of years ago. And in 2018, I think he had gotten, I think he had, broken up with his girlfriend or something, or he was away from his girlfriend for like twenty games or something, he was hitting like two eighteen with a seven oh six OPS. And then I think he got a girlfriend. And for those twenty games, he was hitting like three forty with a nine fifty nine OPS. So Steve Peralt, our good friend, he tweeted out in twenty twenty, in uh in June, he tweeted out or sorry, July, tweeted out, I think Andrew Benintendi needs a girlfriend again. I don't know what the hell's going on. So the body craves contact. The body does crave contact, and Benny is no exception to that. So, um, for Thankfully. all of you, for all of you listeners out there, we need to find Benny a girlfriend because if we ever want him to play good again, doesn't matter about his hair, he can do what he
0: wants, but he needs a woman. First off, just a phenomenal job there, Claussen. Um, Really uh, excellent with the, the splits. Um, yeah, ladies of Boston, if you're listening to this, Andrew Bonantendi
2: says that you're probably not.
0: <laughs> yeah, our 95% <laughs> male demographic from our stats. Hey, but you know what? How many
1: of those 95% males have sisters?
0: <laughs> hey, all right. It's a good point. There you go. It's a good point. Um. Anyways, if you know someone who's single and around the age of 25, Andrew Bonantendi maybe – looking to i don't know go on a date with you or something we just need benny to to get back in the market we need him to get off the the girlfriend free agent market and we need to bring back benny boyfriend as his nickname
2: Benny boyfriend i think
1: <laughs> i think the their new year's resolution of the gone bridge team has to be to find
0: benny a girlfriend
1: yes right. I, I agree
0: 100 so i agree with everything we have said my closing out the ninth thing is about a little goofy article that I had sent to me. Um, it was an Ian Brown article. I really like his stuff. However, the end of this article really made me laugh. So it was the best Red Sox player by number. So one zero zero shout out Brandon Phillips, zero through 50 was very common sense. You know, Mookie Betts, John Lester, um, Kevin Uclis, all the retired numbers guys. Then you get into the 70s and the 80s and oh boy, You got to strap in because there are a lot of guys for the Red Sox or a lot of numbers where it's only been worn once. For instance, our good friend Robert Stock is the best player to ever wear 79 for the Red Sox. Damn right he is. (laughs) Nobody will ever wear 79 and be better than him. (laughs) In no way should Robert Stock's name be anywhere close to like Dennis Eckersley's name in an article. Who else do we have in here? Eric Gagne, a horrible pitcher for the Red Sox in 2007. Tanner Houck's already on the list, 90, uh, uh, 89. Um, so, yeah, just a bunch of guys. Uh, Hector Velasquez was on here. Mike Kickham as well.
2: Mike Kickham.
0: And Zue, Zue Lin, Phillips Valdez. So what I'm getting at here is that we have a lot of crappy bullpen guys right now, and we need to get some better players who deserve actual baseball numbers. Did Matt Hall make the list? I hope not. I love that guy. Pass. Sorry, Matt Hall. I, I, if you're listening, I apologize
1: for my call. I'm, sure, to... I'm sure you have great children. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if he does. Like yeah, I kid. don't
0: even know if Hall he probably does.
1: You know Someday when he does have kids, it'll be great.
0: You guys want Matt Hall on the podcast? Let us know. We'll, Hit him up for us. We'll work on it. Um, <laughs> Somebody right. out there has connections. This has been oh, a very I'm long sure. episode. I'm sure. Yeah, this has been our longest episode to date. Um, so listen, um, episode 10 is next week we are working on getting a very exciting guest for you guys. So stay tuned for that. I think, uh, I think we'll be looking to put a little poll out on Instagram, see, uh, see some guesses on who we're going to get on. I think that'll be, that would be a fun thing to do. So Um, yeah, probably I can't confirm it yet, but first guest episode 10, look forward to that. And uh, that's about it. This actually, when this comes out, it'll be 2021. So happy 2021, everybody. Happy New, Year. happy New Year. We are still living in the dreadful world of 2020 right now. So we got a full nother day before that. But anyways, happy New Year's to all our listeners. Thank you through make, making it through this episode. It was a very eventful one, despite being a little short on the Red Sox talking. Um, So if you enjoyed what you listened to, downloads help us out greatly download our podcast on spotify apple music google podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts shoot us a follow on instagram at gone Bridge podcast and twitter at Gonebridge, and we will see you next week with hopefully a fourth member of the team for episode 10 see ya